0: Society makes us think that it's inappropriate for children to curse. However, I remember not being able to do it as a child. So when I was around my friends, I would curse up a storm, living the double life, I suppose. And then she goes on to say, I don't want to set a double standard that adults can do it, swear, but children cannot. Then she says, I'm wondering if this is something that we as her parents need to stop doing in order to set a better better example for her, or if it just goes back to developing a list of rules and set of consequences for certain behaviors. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum as a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all, and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Queen of Your Castle podcast. I am your host, Brittany Lynch, and I'm sure that it goes without saying based on the title of this episode. But in case this is your first time ever listening to this show or your first time getting to know me, then this show, this episode specifically comes with a warning. If you don't like cursing and you especially hate the F word, then I might not be the right gal for you. And this episode episode might not be the right episode for you. So if you have little ears in the car with you or you do not like to hear the F word, then there are other episodes that won't say it so much. But if you are in private and you are available without little ears listening in and you are linguistically liberated, and you like to spice up your vernacular with a few good F-bombs salt and peppered in, then stay tuned, my friend, because we are going to take a look at the word fuck, not just fuck, a lot of swears, lots of cursing. You know, a few days ago, I got a podcast episode request from one of our lovely listeners. Also, sidebar. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, uh, go ahead and look in the show notes and there will be a link that you can tap and you can just go ahead in there and type any questions that you would like for me to answer on the show. So that'll be in the show notes. It's just into a Google form. It's completely private. It only comes to me. So don't worry about it getting back to anyone that you don't want it to get back to. So anyway, uh, a few days ago, I got a request from one of our lovely listeners and she asked me how I would recommend handling a situation when your stepchild curses. She says, society makes us think that it's inappropriate for children to curse. However, I remember not being able to do it as a child. So when I was around my friends, I would curse up a storm living the double life, I suppose. And then she goes on to say, I don't want to set a double standard that adults can do it, swear, but children cannot. Then she says, I'm wondering if this is something that we as her parents need to stop doing in order to set a better, better example for her, or if it just goes back to developing a list of rules and set of consequences for certain behaviors. Now, I... Absolutely love this question. And ironically enough, the first few years that my husband and I were together, he would say that he didn't really care if his son, my stepson, swore, as long as it was in socially acceptable spaces, aka basically at our house or in a vehicle in private when there weren't other people around but if it was just with us my husband was like I don't care and at first when he said that to me I was like look man you're messed in the head there's no way that you think it's that it's okay for an eight-year-old to be dropping f-bombs and especially not around especially not around me That's funny, isn't it? Like my favorite word is literally fuck, but my tender sensibilities are being offended if my stepson says it. But, you know, that's kind of what we're going to explore in this episode, right? Because admittedly, there's sort of a visceral reaction that happens, at least for me, when I hear a young kid swearing. And as it was so brilliantly asked in this question that was submitted, as adults, we set a double standard. And then as kids, we just curse around our friends because we've learned not to curse around our parents because we're going to get in trouble. But it doesn't stop us from cursing. We just curse when no adults hopefully can hear us. Now, I'm going to go down memory lane here. But uh, when I was young, I was maybe... 10 or 12 at the oldest, but probably to between 10 and, 10 and 12. Uh, but every year, every summer, my sisters and cousins and I, would, and I would always go out to my grandma and grandpa's farm throughout the summer. And my grandparents' farm is in rural Saskatchewan. And, you know, these summers were the absolute highlight of my childhood. We would wake up in the morning when our bodies told us to wake up, and then we'd head to the dining room to eat oatmeal topped with spoonfuls and spoonfuls and spoonfuls of brown sugar, the brown sugar that was kept in an old margarine container. And after breakfast, we'd throw on some clothes and spend all day roaming around outside We'd stop at the chicken coop and feed the chickens and we'd head to the garden and pluck out carrots, wipe the dirt off on our shorts before we ate them. We'd spend time in the raspberry patch and eat berries that were already warm from the summer sun. We'd spend time with the animals and then usually at some point we'd make our way to a big old stack of hay bales that we would climb up and down and hide inside of and play on. Now, one evening, one of my sisters and a few of my cousins, if I'm remembering the people correctly, this is an old memory, so it might not be 100% accurate, but this is how I remember it. So one evening, at least one of my sisters and at least a couple of my cousins and I were playing on a he- that huge stack of hay bales. And if you're not a farm kid and you don't know what I'm talking about, essentially, these hay bales were stacked up on top of of each other in a column okay and then in front of that those there's like a big row in the back of columns of hay bales and then in front of those were another column but that that column was a little bit shorter and so on and so on and so forth so the stacks essentially formed what looked like a huge set of stairs but instead of stairs they were made out of hay bales and one of the most fun things about this specific way that this haystack was set up was that we could jump off a bale on a higher column and then land in hay bales on a lower level. You know, like fun kid stuff, kind of like jumping off the diving board into the pool, except instead of jumping off the diving board into the pool, you're jumping off the top of the haystack into a lower haystack and f- frolicking around in the hay. So. This one evening, like I said, I'm about 10 or 12 years old, and my younger sister was maybe 8 or 10, and my cousins, who were right around the ages of like 8 to 12, were jumping off the top of the haystacks, like onto the haystacks, like bombs away kind of jumping. So if you can picture in your mind, picture a handful of dirty little sun-kissed, unkempt, ungroomed summer farm kids running amok with ratty hair and bare feet and dirty toenails, (laughs) taking turns climbing up to the top of this haystack before jumping off these tops of these columns. Only While we're we're jumping off the top of these haystacks onto the lower haystacks, while we're jumping off, we're yelling at the top of our lungs. Okay, imagine we're like bombs away, like cannonballing into these haystacks. And while we're jumping off the top, we're yelling at the top of our lungs. Holy fuck. Holy fucking shit. Shit fucker. You know, like you get the picture. And... This was so fun because not only are we getting this adrenaline rush of jumping off the highest bales, we're taking full liberty of being outside on the farm with no adults around and damn well taking our opportunity to get all of our curse words out, right? And we're belly laughing and we're trying to come up with the best compilation of swear words that we can put together and outdo each other's string of swears and it was fun it was fun it was funny it was hilarious and I can't remember how long we're doing this bombs away bombs away and f-bombs awaying off the top of these haystacks but we're like really in the zone and then all of a sudden I'm like mid jump and mid f-bomb Okay. And this is like slow, a slow motion memory. So I leap off the top of this haystack mid jump, mid bombs away and our belly laughs and our swearing extravaganza is interrupted by this loud, deep voice booming from around the corner who is swearing over there? And oh, shit. It was our Uncle Neil, my mom's brother, Uncle Neil. And we were so busted. And immediately, immediately, I felt myself grow hot with shame and with embarrassment. And by the time I hit the hay, by the time I hit the bottom of the haystack, I was already crying. Right, I was already, I was mortified. Now, you know, as an adult, knowing my uncle Neil, I'm certain he was just giving us a hard time, and actually, probably thought it was pretty hilarious. But as a preteen kid who was a goody two shoes at school, and I hated getting in trouble, and here I am getting busted, screaming "fuck" at the top of my lungs while I barrel off the top of this haystack. It was mortifying. And it was probably a pivotal moment in the way that I started to really, really believe that swearing as a kid was not acceptable and it was not safe to do around grownups, especially. Now, if you are inside of the stepmom story, then you'll know that we do a lot of digging into these types of experiences and what we've made them mean into the future. So let's fast forward now from my 10 to 12 year old F-bomb bombs away haystack days to being in my mid-20s. And my husband is now saying to me that he doesn't care if my stepson swears, right? So even though at the time I didn't connect these experiences, I didn't connect the experience with Uncle Neil and the Haystacks with why I thought it was shameful and unacceptable for kids to curse. But one thing that I do know to be true now is that I could literally give two shits if kids swear. And I I mean you can judge if you wanna, but Rory says fuck, and it's hilarious. He's two and a half years old. He is a wild child. <laughs> He has boundless energy. He's got such a strong personality and he says, fuck. And he doesn't know what it means. And usually it's after I say it and he's repeating it. But actually just last night when I was putting him to bed, we were laying there and he goes, mommy, I said, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and I can't help but laugh because it's so funny. He's so little, but he's so strong headed. Anyway, I think it's fucking hilarious, but Seamus, my husband, he does not think it's hilarious. He usually gives me the stink eye while I'm like doubled over in laughter. Anyway, judging my parenting aside, circling back to the original question here, like what do you do? What is the right thing to do when your stepkids swear? what's the right thing to do, right? Like this age old question that we're always asking ourselves as stepmoms, as women, as partners, what is the right bloody thing to do, right? Hey, I mean, while we're at it, let's keep with the motif of this episode. What's the right fucking thing to do? So to answer this question, I literally went into Google and I started typing, why is cursing? And the first result that popped up Was a sin. Okay. Why is cursing? And then Google auto filled it to a sin. Why is cursing a sin? So, from that, it's been established. Also, by the way, this isn't where I got the information from. This isn't where I got the information for this episode, (laughs) but it kind of is. You'll see. Wait one second. Pretend I didn't say that. We'll go back, squirrel. So, it's been established that of the gazillions of questions. That Google gets asked on a daily basis. The most popular question about cursing is why is cursing a sin? So now we know, okay, there are religious drivers, institutional drivers behind this particular vein of social conditioning. Okay. In other words, We think it is or is not socially acceptable to swear based on our association with this specific system. So this is something I found on the front page of this Google search, page one of Google, and the source was Bible Sprout. And this is what it says. This is a quote, a verbatim quote. It says, is cursing a sin? one of the most subtle ways of lowering America's standards, okay, let me do this again so I can do the emphasis right, is cursing a sin. Quote, one of the most subtle ways of lowering America's standards of morality and decency is the increasingly public use of cursing and profanity. Yes, There are laws against the use of foul, filthy language in public, but these laws are not enforced. Sidebar, can I get a fact check on that? If there's actually laws about cursing, can somebody fact check that and let me know? Anyway, back to our originally scheduled programming. Consequently, young people are subjected to the kind of speech which lowers man to the level of animals and makes a mockery of belief in God. At the same time, they are taught that cursing and filthy language is all right. It is not. End quote. Then it goes on to explain what profanity is and why it means that you're making a mockery of God. So I'm going to leave that for you to interpret. Also, I want to make it exceptionally clear that I am not... I mean, I am definitely reading the quotes in jest, but I'm not making fun of mocking God. It's not my position. It is not my intention to make anyone think that I feel any specific way about religion. That's not, that's not my agenda. It has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with the phrasing of this, okay? It has to do with the shame behind this message, so, I'll leave that for you to interpret. I have been baptized in my adult life into the Christian faith. It is not that is not my intention is to make anyone feel bad about being Christian if that's what's happening for you. Okay. Anyway, I want to clear that up. So, the next front page Google result that I read is from cbn.com. And this author, also Christian, has a much different perspective. He talked about how he was traumatized by his mom washing his mouth out with soap. His also very religious mom washing his mouth out with soap. He talked about an episode during his youth when his pastor talked about the importance of guarding your tongue. And then the pastor proceeded to present, pull out this gigantic cow's tongue that was not inside of the cow's head anymore to drive his point home. So, I mean, this Christian author is making some pretty good points here. One, don't fucking wash your kids' mouths out with soap. And two, don't use body parts of dead animals to scare your kids into not swearing. But that aside, this author shares something that I think is really, really important. He goes on to talk about the power of the spoken word and how our words can either build up or tear down our words can either build up or tear down. That's so important. Okay. So this author goes on to give a few Bible verses to support it and then he gives his interpretation and his decision about whether or not he is going to continue to swear. So all in all, this is a much less shame-projecting article than the first one from that I read from Bible Sprout. So my interpretation from that you know, plus from my hay bale experience, plus from the rest of my interpretation of social conditioning and my actual social conditioning that I haven't peeled apart yet. My interpretations of all this is like, of course, I have 10 million things going on in my head about it. And I think that as adults, we essentially dehumanize children. And I think that the institutions that control our society have a lot of work to do not to try and make people conform because of shame and a fear of burning in hell. Like I think telling somebody if you swear you're going to burn in hell in the fiery pits of hell for eternity, that's a really disturbing way to get conformity from a person. And I don't think it's effective. I don't think it's effective. But... I do agree with what the second author said about how our tongues can either build up or tear down. Our language can either build up or tear down. And I do, I mean, I'm a writer, right? I'm a writer. So of course I agree that language is powerful, very powerful. Our language choices are very, very, very powerful. What we say to ourselves about ourselves, what we say to ourselves about other people, what other people say to us, Those words, that language, that's very powerful stuff. But at least this is the conclusion that my husband and I have come to and that I have finally come around on and agreed on is that like if my stepson was to stub his toe and scream fuck, I mean, (laughs) the word fuck is a pretty good painkiller above all the other things that fuck does. It's also a great painkiller. And at least, you know, really in my own view, screaming fuck after you stub your toe, it's whatever. It's pretty par for the course. I mean, I do it. And I'm not God, obviously, but if I was, you're not going to go to hell and burn in hell because you said fuck when you stubbed your toe. But if you walked into Walmart and the nice lady who passes out those little happy face stickers went to give you one and you screamed the F word at her, that's not the same. Right? That's not the same, is it? What if you what about if you're a kid, hypothetically, you're a kid and you're at home with the people who you love and trust and you feel safe with and you're angry and you're telling them something that happened and you're angry and you're expressing yourself through the use of language and you throw a few curse words in into your story to really drive your point home? What is it going to do to that piece of connection if you interrupt that kid and say, don't swear, watch your mouth, right? If they're being vulnerable and swearing comes out in vulnerability, what does that do to your connection? What does that do to your intimacy? And does that feel the same, like if you're in that hypothetical situation where the kid is swearing because they're telling you something that happened and they're really animated and expressing and da-da-da-da-da, does that feel the same to you as if you're a kid and you don't get your way? And you scream those curse words at someone, right? At you as the stepmom, at your partner, at their sibling, whoever that is. Does that feel the same if you're projecting those curse words onto somebody or onto yourself, right? Does that projection of the curse words onto somebody else have the same meaning as if you're using them to express yourself? And if we circle back to the original question, like how would I recommend handling a situation in which your stepchild curses? I would start by saying it depends, right? It always, it always, such an annoying answer, isn't it? It depends, but it does. It always depends. It depends on your values. It depends on the way you were raised. It depends on the way you see the world. It depends on your specific relationship with your swearing stepchild. And I think you're entirely right by pointing out this double standard of how can we tell our kids not to swear when we do it? Like if I personally went to my stepson, if I went to him and I said, listen, bud, don't swear, he would probably would laugh in my face and think I was joking because the F word is a staple in my vocabulary. So how hypocritical is it for me to be like, listen, don't swear. Like he genuinely probably would think I was joking. But if there's one thing that I do know to be true, it's that kids do what we do. They don't do what we say. And as with most things in life, most people are driven at least in part by what is deemed to be socially acceptable. And so when you start pulling at that thread, you'll realize that social acceptability doesn't always equal what is moral or what is ethical or what is fair or what is right. Social acceptability isn't always the best choice. When you look at what is socially acceptable, you will realize that different rules apply to different groups of people about the same circumstance. And you genuinely don't have to look any farther than this question to see evidence of this, right? The rules of swearing apply differently to children than they do to adults. So on the surface, this seems like it should be a really simple question to answer, right? Every step family question on the surface feels like a simple question to answer. Just is it black or white? Is it yes or no? Is it good or bad? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing in step families is ever simple ever that's okay that's fun but based on social norms most people would say like the black and white answer would be no kids shouldn't be allowed to swear that would be probably what most people would think on on first blush no kids shouldn't be allowed to swear if they do it's perfectly okay to threaten if not execute a soapy mouthwash but really like what's that going to teach your kids it's going to teach them not to swear around you for one and it's also going to teach you that teach them that the people that are supposed to be protecting them are hurt going to hurt them they're still going to swear they'll just learn to hide it right they'll learn that the way to be safe around you is to hide things from you all punishment teaches kids is that it's not safe to be themselves It teaches them that it's not safe to be themselves around the people who are supposed to be protecting them and loving them and leading them. And, you know, maybe somewhere along the way, if you're anything like me, maybe somewhere along the way you learn that too, right? Maybe somewhere along the way you learn that in order to be liked, in order to fit in, in order to keep from getting your mouth washed out with soap, that you had to start changing yourself and morphing yourself and fitting into all of these little tiny boxes. And before you know it, maybe you'll wake up like I did one day and realize that you spent the better part of your life trying to be who other people wanted you to be and who other people told you that you should be. So much so that when you look in the mirror, you're not really sure who you are anymore. So wouldn't it be so much easier if we learned, instead of just don't swear because you're a kid, wouldn't it be so much easier and so much more empowering to realize That language is a really powerful tool and that when we use it in certain ways, we can move mountains. And wouldn't it be so much more connecting instead to teach our stepkids that they don't need to stifle their language in order to be liked, in order to be worthy, in order to be good, in order to be good enough, but there might have to be some boundaries about when are appropriate times to use that language. Wouldn't it be easier if instead of teaching our kids that they need to fit in boxes to make it in this world, we could teach them how to set their own boundaries and respect other people's boundaries? Wouldn't it be easier if we cared more about being true to ourselves than being liked by other people? And wouldn't it be easier if we didn't live in fear about other people's judgments in the first place? Ultimately, how you choose to approach this concern with your stepchild is up to you. You know, what suits you? What suits your family? What suits your values? There's no right or wrong. And there's no doubt that some social norms are really important in some ways. And there's no doubt that as humans who are wired for survival, fitting in helps us feel safe. But just remember... Whatever decision that you do end up making, the most important thing is that it feels right, that it feels authentic, that it feels good to you. Not because of what you think you should be doing, not because of what you think you should be saying, but because you know in your heart that it's the right choice. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams and I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week, same time, same place. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.